right. Let's, let's shift gears again. Am I on here? I should be. All right. Ah, so I, if, you, if you filled out your card <coughs> um, and brought it up, I did, because uh, I want to be a good example. And it's in here somewhere. Uh, it's not that one. But uh, I want to let you know that uh, this was a crummy week. This was like a terrible week. Um, why are you smiling? Because God's good. Um, and uh, I had shared a few weeks ago, I, I love that phrase, when somebody says, how you doing? The answer, <laughs> that, was, that was not a guilt trip, Rob. That, but the, the answer is, I'm better than I deserve. Because it doesn't matter what you're going through. You are always better than you deserve to be. Always. It doesn't, because we deserve the, the, the ultimate, the penalty for sin is death. We don't deserve to be here at all. So I'm always better than I deserve to be, but um, I just would, would appreciate your prayers. I uh, have not been sleeping well uh, for, for a couple of weeks. I have sleep apnea, and I have a suspicion that it has something to do with my machine. I don't think it's calibrated properly. You're supposed to go in annually and have it checked, and I haven't been there in four years. So that's, a, that's my own fault. Um, so I, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a, an appointment uh, scheduled for, to go in and talk to the doctor. But in the meantime, I, I am I, I'm feeling a bit in a cloud all the time. <clears throat> and so that's not an excuse if this is a bad sermon. That's just uh, just wanted to share with you and ask for your prayers. And and, uh, and and I had three business deals fall apart this week. Like just and and that's disappointing uh, and discouraging. Uh, so. And they say bad things happen in threes, so I should be set. Um, so it should be only smooth sailing from here on out. Uh, so we have been, uh, we're in the middle of a new series called Weird. All right, and, and I, I find it comical because Pastor Rob has said from the beginning that weird is not a spiritual gift, and yet now we are encouraging you to be weird. Um, but I'd like to uh, put you on the spot this morning and say, okay, so far... What have you gotten out of this series? We've had two weeks of it. This is week three. We've got two more after this, right? Two or three? Two more? Anything that strikes you so far that you're like, yeah, the Lord really spoke to me like this. Like I said, I'm putting you on the spot, and if you don't give us an answer, we're going to feel really bad. Anything so far? Did you, did you hear that in the, over there? That when he was growing up, he thought repent meant look ashamed. And that's not what repentance is. Repentance is turning around. Repentance is I'm walking this way, and I recognize that this is the wrong direction. And it doesn't matter for me to look bad. That's not repentance. It doesn't mean I get sad. It means I turn around and I don't walk that direction any longer. That is repentance. It requires a change of action, not just a sad face or a guilty feeling. Those, in fact, those are things that God does not require in repentance, is guilt, condemnation. What else, what else have you gleaned from this series so far? What does it mean to you to be weird? It reaffirmed to you that you're right where you're supposed to be.
especially they thought that was really weird. What, do, you, do you remember the catchphrase in the whole series? Norm, normal's not working. All right? If you want to be like everybody else, if you don't like the results that you see in everybody else, then you can't live like everybody else. That's, and that's the key to this. Anybody else want to share? This is my favorite part of any message is when you guys are doing the talking. Because it's, it's hard. When you're swimming against the flow, I want to talk to you young people, all right? When you're swimming against the flow, when you're walking in the things that God wants for you to do, it can be hard. It can be really difficult. As a, as a, as a teenager in, in middle school and in, in, uh, in high school, in college, it can be difficult. When you are, because you, you don't want to stand out necessarily. You know, you want to conform. You want that's why there's peer pressure. But you know what? The scripture is very clear. We walk in the narrow path. We will experience the blessing of God in our lives. And I'm telling you, part of the message later on is this idea that any of you have investments? You have a 401k retirement? Somebody, please tell me you do. <laughs> All right. Uh, the idea of an investment is that when you put something aside and allow it to grow, that it will be more than you put in down the road, okay? And that's the whole concept of, of, of our lives as Christians is that we are going to, we're investing in our future, that we're going to put something over here, that you're going to put your physical relationship 
over here with the promise that God made that said if you save yourselves for marriage, that he's going to bless it and it's going to be better. All right? That we sacrifice the temporal desires, the current desires, the immediate desires for future betterment. One other thing, I'm getting into the message. I wanted to share with one thing. Last week I wasn't here. I know you probably didn't even notice, but um, my brother, um, his daughter is, is, is a baby, and they had a baby dedication at their church. And it happened to be the church that I was, the pastor, I was a pastor of for 15 years. And so it was like homecoming last week, right? I was excited. I'm going back there. I'm and, I, and I walked in the door, and I saw a bunch of people that I knew, and I left the service, and I went, I miss LifeQuest. And it was so fun for me. To, to have that, like, this isn't home anymore. You know, it was nice to visit, but the, it's like when you go on vacation, you have a great time on vacation, but when you come home, it's like, ah, oh, I'm so glad to be home. It just feels good. I'm so glad to be home this morning. It's so, I, I don't know. I, I, it was just such a fun experience last week to, to walk out of that church and say, I miss my LifeQuest family. And that's, where, and that's what it was for me last week, because that was kind of fun. For God to show that to me. Um, so, sorry, back to, back to the message. So, here, here's what it comes down to. The, the scripture that we're really using to focus us in on this message is the fact that Jesus said there are two roads. There is a very wide road, of an eight-lane highway. You ever been down to, did you drive on it? Okay, down in the D.C. area? It's eight lanes, right? It, it is a very large highway, and... And it amazes me. Anytime you get near a road that, that is that significant, how people can even understand what they're supposed to do as they're driving 65 miles an hour. Uh, I avoid it at all costs. All right, But there, think of the millions of people that are traveling on that road. And then think of, I don't know how many of you have ever been to Europe. You've ever been to Europe and those little tiny roads that they have? And you can't even imagine that a car could actually drive down it. And when it does, it's terrifying. All right, that's kind of the idea that I have in my mind. There's a really wide road with lots of traffic on it, and then there's this narrow path. And Jesus said that many people, millions of people, are on this eight-lane highway, but on the little road, on the little side country road, there's very few people. And that's just the way it is, unfortunately. And certainly we would love to see more people get on the narrow road, but they're just is more people on the wide than there is on the narrow. And as believers, we're called to walk the narrow path. And it's a struggle. We're constantly fighting our entire Christian lives. How do you walk that narrow path? And that's what this series is all about. This morning, I want to talk about a specific area of weird. I want to talk about our weird desires. And just exactly... um, Dan, could I ask you to get me just a glass of water, please? Um, it's very difficult. We give in to those desires so easily. There's some there's some great examples in the scriptures. There's a is the pitcher empty? Sorry. Um, there's some great examples in scriptures of people that gave in to their very base, simple desires, and it kind of screwed things up. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. 
The very first one is, is really early on in Genesis. Think back to Eve. God made it very simple for them. He said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to take care of everything. I'll feed you. I'll keep you warm. You're going to have fun in the sun. You're going to live forever. Eternal life. It's all set. Only thing I'm telling you not to do, don't eat the fruit on this tree. By the way, it's complete speculation that it was an apple. There's nothing in the scripture that says what kind of fruit. He just says, don't eat the fruit. I'm guaranteeing that it probably was really good looking fruit. It probably was like the best looking fruit in the whole garden. But God was pretty clear. He said, I'll take care of everything. The only rule is, don't eat the fruit. And what did Eve do? She ate the fruit. She, maybe, she was, maybe she was a little bit hungry. Maybe she's, the scripture does say it. she looked at it and it was pleasing to the eye. And, I, and, and we look at that and we go, oh, that's so foolish. I would have never done that. That's not true. You would have too. Because you do it now. Anybody ever, I have, I'm on my fifth week of a, of a once a week fast for a year right now. And never fails. The day that I'm fasting, I go into the office and somebody brought in food. All right. Now, as you might be able to tell from looking, I like food. All right. Me and food are good friends. And, and so, you know, nobody ever brings food in the office, but on the day you fast, they do. And the temptation to yield to that, well, maybe I'll fast tomorrow. Well, no, you know, that kind of defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? If God's trying to teach you something, to put it off and put it off, we're good at that too, aren't we? You know, Lord, I'll, I'll learn what you want me to learn next week. And you put it off. But we do it all the time. We, we get these, these base desires and we yield to them. That's not the narrow path. The story of Moses. Are you familiar with the story of Moses? All right, there was a situation that happened. Now, Moses was, was a, a, had quite a bit of clout and was quite um, powerful in Egypt. All right, he was living in Pharaoh's house. He was the Pharaoh's daughter's adopted son. And, but he had found out that he was Jewish, and he was seeking out his roots. And he saw... He saw an Egyptian abusing, taking advantage of a Jewish man, and it angered him. And what did he do? He killed him. Something in him just rose up, and and he knew it was wrong. He knew he shouldn't do it, but he yielded to it. What was the result of that little indiscretion? Exile. He had to take off, and he lost his... I mean, he 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 was set for life. In the Pharaoh's house, he could have had anything that he wanted. He was excommunicated, kicked out of the family. He, for how long did he leave? Forty years. Wow. He was not walking the narrow path. How about King David? He's the king. He pretty much gets everything he wants. I'm kind of hungry. I want that. Okay, king, here you go. And he's, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that's a whole other sermon. But he's on the roof, and he looks across the way, and he sees a, a young woman bathing on her rooftop, and 
and those base desires kick up in him. And, and it's another man's wife, and he doesn't care. He wants what he wants. And the whole scenario plays out, and he ends up putting this man in a position where he loses his life so that he can feel guilt-free and, and take his wife for his own. Yielding to those base desires, those simple desires, those big road desires. That's not what God's called us to. He's called us to walk the narrow path. And my, my point this morning is, or my conjecture this morning is, is that we do the same thing all the time. I did this this morning. Getting ready for church. Trying to get my son to take a shower. I don't know what it is about six-year-old boys and not liking to shower. Not wanting, I don't care, Dad. I don't care, Dad. Well, then I'm not going to church. Yes, you are. Get in the shower. I'm not getting in the shower. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Got the spoon in my hand. Do you see this, son? I'm stripping him down with a spoon. My wife comes in. You can't hit him when he doesn't have pants on. I said, I'm not going to hit him. It's just a threat. I'm getting angry. Just get in the shower. Hmm. I won, I did. That boy took a shower, and I took a half a shower making him. <laughs> but I, I, I got angry. I, I lost my temper. We, we yield to those things. You know, how about, how about the young person that, that, that gets a new job, and, and they, they just graduated from college, and... and this is for you, future you, Jess. All right? And they're looking back at their school debt, and they want to buy a new car, and they want to buy a new wardrobe, and they, and they turn around and they look and they go, "Gee, why? Why am I fifty thousand dollars in debt?" Because you couldn't say no. You have to drive a new car. No, used cars work well. Do you do you have to have all those new clothes? No. There's no holes in the other ones. That's the argument my wife and I have. Look what I found. Look how much money I saved. I said, really? Because before we had this much money, you spent it, and now we have this. How did we save money? Oh, but this was $120, and I got it for 40 I saved 80 bucks. No, you didn't. You spent 40 You didn't save a penny. There was no savings. Our savings account has less money now than before you went shopping. There's no savings. <laughs> but, but that's what happens. We yield to those simple desires. Those, and then we, then we look around when we've got these piles of debt, and we go, how did this happen? One savings at a time, I guess. That gallon of ice cream in your freezer that's calling to you. And you, and you put it off, and you put it off, and, you, and then you just yield to that. And you don't just go and have a spoonful. 
or a di- do you know the serving size of ice cream? Half a cup. Half a cup is a serving size. You know, it's like as soon as you as soon as you start to take a few bites, you're done. Nobody has half a cup. Do you have your have you ever been to Lugia's? You might as well just peel back the whole thing and stick it on a cone right there. But we yield to these. We yield to these these simple. We know that we shouldn't eat a whole gallon of ice cream. We know that that's gluttony. We know that that's sinful. And we do it. Sometimes some of us even break into the next gallon after that first one's gone. Kind of depends on the flavor, I guess. Or for young people in a relationship, you know, you're, you're cuddling on the couch, watching a movie, maybe cuddling in a way that unmarried people shouldn't cuddle, and, and, and desires and feelings get going, and you, and you justify it. And you say, but we love each other. And so it's okay. Really? Is that what the scripture says? The day before my wedding, I went to get a haircut. This was a long time ago. Before some of you in the room were born. And and the lady cutting my hair says, now, I don't know where she's going with this. She's like, now are you going to do it right? Do what right? She knew I was getting married the next day. She goes, you're not going to sleep together tonight, right? I'm like, that's doing it right? I said, uh, we've never slept together. What? I thought she was going to poke me in the head with scissors. Are you crazy? You're weird. <laughs> I said, and I wasn't going to get in an argument with somebody holding a sharp object near my face. But, wow, that was the definition of doing it right? That you didn't. You didn't I, I'm doing a wedding for... I've told this story before. I, I love telling this story. I don't just tell people in my, in my business side of life that I'm a pastor because it weirds people out. Because instantly you can't be a normal person if you're, if you're a pastor. You can't be a normal person if you're a Christian, right? So I just get to know people and build relationship. And then if the Lord gives me the opportunity to share, I'll share. And I'm with this one couple. And they, they had been together for quite some time. They were buying a house together. Not a married couple. And so I just started talking to him. I said, hey, you guys ever thought about getting married? And I'm like, yeah, we have. We've been talking about that. And, and we, we would really like to. I said, well, I can help you with that. And she looks at me. She goes, realtors can do that? <laughs> and I said, I, said, I said, well, I guess I should probably tell you I'm more than just a realtor. All right? Doesn't she call me back a couple months ago and says, we're getting married and we'd like you to do it. Would you, would you marry us? So this past week I was able to sit down with them and, start some premarital counseling, and it was really fun. Um, the Lord opened up the door for me to do that. Um, okay, moving on. I want to take a look at, at, we should have some scripture to make this spiritual today, right? Um, 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 16 and 17. It says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions, These are not from the Father, but are from the world. In verse 17, this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. All right? We are, remember this goes back to that investment idea. We are putting aside the temporal for the eternal. We are putting aside the wide path 
for the narrow. That's the, that's the attempt. That's what God's calling us to do. Normal people want what they want, and they want it now. Church, are we any different? Think about that this morning. Are we any different? We're supposed to be. One of the things that, that has been blessing me as I've done this fast the last couple weeks is learning that, you know what, I don't have to eat every time I see something that looks good. Because if you're, not, if you're fasting, by definition, you can't. And there's been some times where I've really wanted to, and I didn't, and the Lord said, see, you can do it. You can have self-control. You can be disciplined. And we all can do it. Want what they want now, not later. It's a great example of this. And let me tell you something. When we do this to God, it's an insult. I want to talk about a story you're probably very familiar with. Luke chapter 15, verse 12. The chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. What did the prodigal son do? He did something that was very offensive. Anybody think of what that offensive thing is? He came to his dad and he said, Dad, I wish you were dead. I mean, isn't that what he really said? He came to his father and he said, I can't wait for my inheritance. I want it now. When do you normally get your inheritance? When your parents pass away. He said, listen, I don't have that kind of patience. You either kick off now or give me what's mine. That's pretty offensive. Let me read that verse to you. Verse 12 says, The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. Wow. That's that's exactly what people on the wide path want. When it comes to the area of desires, they want now. I don't want to save money and buy it with Here's, a, here's an amazing concept in finances. If you can't afford to buy something, don't buy it. I know that's startling. But most of the people in the world on the wide path see something they want and they pull out a piece of plastic and they buy it. How about you look and say, hmm, do I have enough money for that thing? And then you buy it. Because you're getting hosed if you do it the other way. You're spending twice as much. Don't even get me started on... Ah, okay. And we do it. We do the same thing. Whether it's losing your temper, (laughs) self, or overeating, or not being able to say no to the boyfriend or the girlfriend, or not being able to say no at the cash register, or not being able to, you fill in the blank. Normal people want what they want, and they want it now. The second thing that normal people do is they trade the ultimate for the immediate. And that's one of the things, again, young people, I want to, I want to really focus your attention here. The devil is very good at offering us substitutes. 
of offering us counterfeit. What's counterfeit? But it's, it's more than just fake. Very good, Mr. Webster. <laughs> All right. Many times, counterfeit is very hard to distinguish from the real, isn't it? It takes a trained eye many times. And the devil's very good at presenting and sometimes even offering us good things. And, and people will sacrifice the excellent or the perfect or the desired goal for the temporary because they're short-sighted, they're short-thinking. Um, I want to give you an example of somebody in Scripture that did this. Oh, man, that clock's going fast today. Um, do you know the story of Jacob and Esau? Okay, Esau is the manly man. He, he's the rugged outdoorsman. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy. Okay? Jacob is kind of the mama's boy. He, he is, uh, I, I don't think the scripture says he's effeminate. That's not, that's not it at all. He was just, he wasn't outdoorsy. He hung out at home. He, he, he just uh, wasn't, there was a, quite a difference between Jacob and Esau. They were twins, but they were not identical twins by any means. All right? So one day Esau, who, by the way, is the oldest, and in the Jewish tradition and in this time uh, of history, if you were the firstborn, I mean, even today, firstborns are really the favorite. But, oh, that's just not as fun when your siblings aren't here. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a family wedding in Maryland this weekend, and uh, so that's where my, a lot of my family is. But, uh, so Esau is the firstborn, he's the favorite, and he gets what's called the birthright. He gets a double portion of the inheritance, he gets the best of everything. He's the favorite. He's the favored. Well, he's out hunting one day, and maybe he was gone for a couple of days. And he came back with whatever he had shot, and he was hungry. You ever been really hungry? When my wife gets really hungry, she's not nice. And she'll admit it. She, she goes, I don't know if it really is truly hypoglycemic, but... She gets not nice to be around. You know, we guess we better. Actually, you know, I carry a little snack with me when we go places because you, you know what? I think it's snack time. You know, but it, you know, it, it, and it, it, she needs to eat. And maybe that's where he was. He didn't care about what was going on. It was obvious. He came back from this hunting trip, and his his brother was cooking a stew, and it smelled great. And he was hungry. And, you know, really, when you're really hungry, it doesn't matter what the food is. It smells great and it looks good. Um, you'll eat anything when you're really hungry. He comes in from the hunt and he says, give me some of that. And Jacob, being the sneaky guy that he was, he says, sure, I'll sell it to you. He's like, I got nothing with me. I just, uh, give me some stew. He said, give, sell me your birthright. I'll give you a bowl of the stew you trade me. He's like, well, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? Give me some stew. Fine, you got a deal. Is he really going to die? I mean, he made it that far. You know, another 20 minutes? I don't think he was about to keel over. Wow. 
short-sighted. It might have been good stew, but it wasn't that good a stew. It wasn't birthright good. He gave up the ultimate for the immediate. People, when we walk the narrow path, it can't, we cannot be that short-sighted. My question to you this morning is, what is your stew? What is your stew? What is the area that the enemy knows he can dangle in front of you and you will dismiss what God's ultimate plan is for you for something immediate? Are you willing to sacrifice your integrity at work for a raise by, by undercutting other people? Because you see that, that money in front of you? Are you willing to backstab someone or gossip about someone because it'll make you feel good right then and there. It might make you look better to that person. What is it? What is your stew? What is that thing that, that you're willing to give the immediate pleasure for and sacrifice God's ultimate? Because I think that we all, if we're honest, have those areas. Would you actually trade your birthright for a bowl of stew? Normal people do it every day. The guy that's sitting at his computer when nobody else is home, loves his wife, loves his family, he's just cruising the internet, and one little click away from destroying it all. What do you mean one little click from destroying Destroying it all. The young girl that that maybe has a relationship with the Lord and, and really wants to do what God wants her to do, but for the first time in her life, a young man's giving her attention, makes her feel special, and then begins to pressure her to have sex. Maybe you, you want your kids to have that better life than you did. and So it's, it's you're at work all the time. Because you want to you give the kids everything. And that's not a bad desire, people. But at the cost of losing your family, and your kids not knowing, you hear stories about that all the time. All of a sudden the kids are 27, 28 years old, out of the house, and, and you're looking around going, I don't even know who my kids are. Weird people know that later is often better than now. You know, I had a friend, we were doing a study, and we were really challenging young men to be careful what they allow their eyes to look at. And there's a great computer software that you can put on your computer. Well, well there's a few of them. Safe Eyes, Triple um, X Church. Um, and we were challenging these young men to really not look at stuff that was going to destroy their minds and pollute them and damage their future marriages. And this one young guy, he was, he was in his early 20s, he became so serious, so weird. He's like, I'm not ever going to let myself look at that crap ever again. I said, well, how are you going to stop? Well, I'm going to, accountability. I want accountability. I said, well, if you, I, I'd be happy to be your accountability. He goes, no, I need more accountability than you. Said, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to set it up so that if I ever get on my computer and look at some of that garbage again, because what this program did, it would send an email to the person that you want to be account. I'm going to send it to my mom. 
Because this will guarantee I will never, ever look at anything like that again. That's pretty weird. But you know what? He was serious. He was serious about, I don't want this junk in my life anymore. I know that later is better than now. I know that looking at that false airbrushed image is going to burn itself in my mind and make me not be looking at my wife the way that I should look at her someday. Because the perfect airbrushed image can't compare to the normal person. So men, if you think it's, oh, just looking at something, it's not. It's cheating on your current or future wife when you look at that stuff. It's doing them a great disservice. Expect more amens from the wives. <laughs> seek God until his... Oh, this is great. We need to seek God until his desire... Do you know that scripture that says God wants to give you the desire of your hearts? Yeah, I think Christians like to claim that when they do their name it and claim it games. God, I want that million dollars. We've talked about this. Here's the, here's the part that's, that's important to remember. That is a true scripture. God wants to give you the desires of your hearts. But you know what he also wants to do? He wants to conform the desires of your heart to his. And it's very easy for him to give you the desires of your heart when they're his desires. We forget about that little part. Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yes, Lord, give me the desires of my heart. Whoa, wait, wait, what was the first part of that verse? Delight yourself in the Lord. See, it's a conditional promise. People conveniently forget the first part. I've met guys like this. God promised me the desire of my heart, and I really want to be married, and I'm, God hasn't given me a wife yet, and i young man. Have you desired is your desire in the things of God yet? What do you mean? I, well, or young woman, I, you know, it works both ways. When you put the desire of your heart in tune with what God's desires are, you will start to see some crazy cool stuff happen. Oh, so much more to share. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life and you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Leave that broad road. Come to the narrow road. This is fascinating to me. I want you to, I want you to complete this phrase for me. All right? We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want you to think about something. What should that phrase really be? It should be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. For all intents and purposes, the way that the, 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 the scriptures work, the way that the firstborn work, he sold it. He sold it for a cup of stew. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of a cup of stew. What is your, what is your bowl of stew today? Mm. Boy, that's, that's amazing. 
Your destiny is changed because of craving that isn't harnessed. You know what? That could be us. Your destiny could be altered over a craving that's not harnessed. Don't sacrifice your destiny, your eternity, for a distorted desire, for a simple pleasure. We need to walk the narrow road. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're so grateful this morning that you have made a great way for us. And Lord, that you have opened up our eyes to see the narrow path. Lord, I pray for those this morning that are struggling, that they're being drawn to the wide path. Or Lord, maybe they're still on it this morning. God, that you'd help them. Give them the courage and the strength to to leave the the wide path and go to the narrow path. And Lord, I pray for those of us this morning that are that are really struggling with some of those desires even still. Oh, that we would just lay them down before you. Oh, that we would trust you. You desire that we would make our own desires submitted to your will. Lord, I know that it's not easy and, and, and that daily we need to come to you and ask for help. So Lord, we're asking for help this morning. Thank you, in Jesus' name. I want to I leave you with some questions that I had on my other sheet of paper. <laughs> yeah, I do. Think about these this week, all right? Number one, what desires are holding you back from living as weird as God may be leading you to be? I'll say that again because it's a little complicated. What desires are holding you back from living as weird as God may be leading you to be? If you know that God's calling you to be weird, so I'll paraphrase it. If you know God's calling you to be weird, what's keeping you from being there? Okay? Number two, what is your bowl of stew? What is the main desire that you're trading in for God's best in your life? And lastly, how will you get help to overcome the sinful desires that have a hold on you? We all have good intentions. We all say, I'm going to change that. We all say, someday that's going to change. It won't until you take a step to make it change. What plan do you have? Make a plan. Get a plan. Don't walk out the door today without one. If you need help, come and talk with us. We'll get you some help. We'll be here with you. And one other thing that struck me, I don't know why it's coming back to me. I have to believe that it's the Lord. Something that Vicki said. He talked about hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. God wants to speak to you. You can hear the Lord's voice. You can hear the Holy Spirit. That's why I said I love it when you talk because you might just think I'm sharing a thought, but I really believe that you're allowing God to speak through you to the rest of us. You don't need Pastor Rob and I to interpret God's voice for you. You can hear God's voice for yourself. Thanks for being with us this morning. I'm sorry I went over.
Um, please be careful this week what you, what you allow your eyes to see and your mouth to say and your feet to go. We're so glad you're with us. Lord bless you this week. We'll see you again next week. Dismissed.